Bibles to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. Verse 32. Matthew chapter 10, verse 32. Therefore, who, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. You know, at first looking at that verse, it can be scary. It can also be a word of encouragement. He says, if you'll confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father who is in heaven. That makes you feel good. Amen? In fact, I had someone tell me one time that uh, they felt like every time they were confessing Jesus before someone here on earth, that Jesus was up in heaven confessing, this is one of mine. This is one of mine. Well, that's a good thought. But it's also kind of scary when it comes to the but. But whosoever denies me before men, him I will deny before my Father who is in heaven. You know, it's plain through the facts of history that if it hadn't have been for men and women in the early church who were willing to face death and agony and were willing to be burnt at the stake, die horrible deaths, men and women who refused, absolutely refused to deny the Lord Jesus Christ. If it hadn't have been for them and their unbreakable loyalty as they held fast to their faith, you and I would be in trouble today. There would be no faith. Even the Roman governor confessed that he was unable to shake their loyalty of them that were truly Christians. And I believe that's still true today. If someone is truly a Christian, then you should be unable to shake their loyalty to Jesus Christ. But as I was thinking about these things, I realized that it is possible for us to deny the Lord Jesus Christ in about three different ways without coming right out and saying, I deny that Jesus is the Lord. Number one, we can deny Jesus Christ by our words. I got a 
poem here that was written by C.A. Loughborough. It says, I shouted aloud and louder while out on the plain one day. I saw it. I, the sound grew faint and fainter until it had died away. My words had gone forever. They left no track, uh, trace nor track. But the hills nearby caught up the cry and sent an echo back. I spoke a word in anger to one who was my friend. Like a knife, it cut him deeply. A wound was hard to mend. That word, so thoughtlessly uttered, I would we could both forget. But it echoes lives and memories give the recollection, the recollection yet. How many hearts are broken? How many friends are lost? By some unkind word spoken before we count the cost. But a word or deed of kindness will repay a hundredfold. For it echoes again in the hearts of men and carries a joy untold. Words are so important. And they can discourage or they can encourage. They can help or they can hinder. They can build or they can destroy. How many of you have, uh, well, I'll give you the reference. We're not going to go there and read it. But in 2 Chronicles chapter 10, verses 1 through 11, Rehoboam was asked by the people of Israel to lighten the load upon them. And if he would lighten the load upon them, then they would serve him and he would be their king. And he took counsel with his elders, and his elders said, yes, you ought to lighten the load upon him. But he went to the young people, those of his own age group, and he sought counsel from them. And they said, tell them that your little finger is thicker than his thigh, than your father's thigh, and that uh, whereas he uh, disciplined with whip and scourge, that you will discipline with scorpions. And so he took the advice of the elders, and we—I mean, the young, younger people—and we see here where a man with his words, with the things that he said. He tore down a kingdom. Of course, the thing that he did was of the Lord. The Lord was in it because he had already said that he was going to divide the kingdom uh, uh, from Solomon. But it still illustrates something. You and I have been sent here as a church to build the kingdom of God here on earth. We're to build upon that firm foundation, Jesus Christ being the cornerstone. 
We're to build upon the foundations of the uh, prophets and, and the, the apostles. But people with their words can tear down in one moment more than we can build up in a lifetime. Here we see a man tearing it down. Proverbs 10:19 says, "In the multitude of words sin is not lacking, but he who restrains his lips is wise." Sometimes we just say too much. Sometimes we say things that we shouldn't say at all. And sometimes we say it in the presence of the wrong people. Sometimes we say things we don't mean. We criticize and we belittle and we complain. James Chapter 3 and verse 10, James says, Out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. These things ought not to be so. You can't draw sweet water out of a bitter well, and you can't, uh, you can't uh, make uh, something that is, that is uh, sweet bitter. You have got to speak out of the same mouth. Should, should, uh, if, if it's sweetness, it should be sweetness all the time. But so many times, we do utter words that we ought to have kept quiet. It's just not good are a good witness for Jesus Christ when we say some things. Some things that we say could very well influence a person whether or not he ever becomes a Christian. Proverbs 15:26 says, "The thoughts of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord, but the words of a pure of the pure are pleasant. The words of the pure are pleasant. And we are God's holy people. And our words ought to be pleasant, not hard to take. Proverbs 15:23 said says a word spoken in due season how good it is. And how many of you have ever been down in the dumps? You've been going through some hard times, and just at that moment, maybe the phone rings. And someone on the other end of the line begins to encourage you with the good words, these wholesome words that they're speaking. And we need people who are encouragers, amen? Not discouragers. Proverbs 15 and verse 4 says, A wholesome tongue 
is a tree of life. We ought to bring forth life with our words. We ought to have words that encourage and build up. You know, people are listening to what we say. What kind of a witness are we? If I was a little mouse in a corner, listening to what you said without you realizing it, or if Jesus was right there, would you still say the same things? Well, Jesus is with us. We ought to practice the presence of God. And our words ought to be controlled. I know that the tongue no man can tame. That's what the Bible tells us, right? But Jesus Christ can tame our tongues. And we ought to allow the Holy Spirit to direct our speech. But sometimes, I believe as Christians, the words of our mouth deny the Lord Jesus Christ. Another way that we can deny the Lord Jesus Christ is by our silence. Not only by our words, but by our silence. There's an old saying, speech is silver, but silence is gold. Sometimes we walk, or we talk, <laughs> when we ought to be quiet. Sometimes we're quiet when we ought to speak up. Dr. John A. Howard, president of Rockford College said, I invite you to take a little card and I would have you put it on a mirror or someplace in a prominent place where you will have to look at it every day and I would have you write on this little card, truth is outraged by silence. See, all it takes for good men to go to hell is for Christians to do nothing, say nothing. Jesus said that we're to go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to every creature. And I believe that people are continually going to hell as Christians sit there quietly saying nothing. Ezekiel, if you'll turn there with me, Ezekiel 33. I had a man one time, I preached on this particular text. 
Ezekiel 33 and verses 8 and 9. And after I finished reading them, and after I finished preaching, he said, but that's the Old Testament. You know, man must live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And these things that are written in the Old Testament were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the earth have come. And we ought to be learning from what is written in the Old Testament. Ezekiel chapter 33 and verse 8. When I say, uh, uh, when I say to the wicked, O wicked man, you shall surely die, and you do not speak to, the, to warn the wicked from his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. Nevertheless, if you warn the wicked to turn from his way, and he does not turn from his way, he shall die in his iniquity, but you shall have delivered your soul. Yes, I know that that word was a word for Ezekiel in the context. But in a way, it's a word to all of us. When we stand by and do nothing, when God is trying to speak to people about their wickedness and we do not proclaim the goodness of God and the wickedness of men and we do not invite them to the Lord Jesus Christ, we are sentencing them to hell. I believe that we have a responsibility before God. And personally, I just don't think we take that responsibility very seriously sometimes. We can't just be silent and do nothing. We are the salt of the earth. We're the light of the world. How can we sit and do nothing? when God has been so good and so gracious to us. There was a Negro minister who once prayed, Lord, we can't hold much, but we can overflow a lot. I think that's the secret to success in the Christian life. We can't hold much, but we can overflow a lot. And we need to be just so full of the love of Jesus Christ that we just overflow on people. That love just flows out from us. You know, sometimes... We strain at a gnat and we swallow a camel. We're, you know, there's some things that just don't matter. And there's th some things that are just so important 
And there's some things that we ought to overlook. It says that, that love covers a multitude of sin. But sometimes we can be so picky that we make people's lives miserable. When God has called us to love one another, amen? <clears throat> Praise God. A Christian is a mind through which Christ thinks, a heart through which Christ speaks, a hand through which Christ helps. Think about that for a moment. My eyes ought to be Christ's eyes. My feet ought to be Christ's feet. My hands should be surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he should be able to live this life of love through us. Amen? Well, there's a third way that I thought of that we can deny the Lord Jesus Christ. First of all, I said by our words. Secondly, by our silence. By just not saying anything. Thirdly, by our actions. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, What you do speaks so loud that I can't hear what you're saying. And Edwin Hubble Chapin, Chapin said, Every action of ours, every action of ours, our lives, touches on some chord that will vibrate in eternity. Think about that for a moment. The things that you and I are doing here right now in Seneca Falls, in this assembly, in our own lives, are so important that they are going to vibrate in eternity. We are touching chords that are eternal. These things that we are doing are important. Amen? You know, we're the only Bible that some people are going to read. What kind of a message? Are they getting? Would people want to be a Christian by observing our actions? If they just studied us, 
to see what a Christian's like. When they got done studying, would they say, I want to be a Christian too? By seeing the way we act or react to situations, does it glorify the Lord Jesus Christ? Is my lifestyle any different than that of the unsaved? It's not only our actions, but it's also our reactions or our attitudes that people are looking at. Checking your attitudes, I'm going to ask you a series of questions here. And they're rhetorical questions, you can answer them to yourself. I don't want any hands. <laughs> but I want to know which disturbs you the most. Which disturbs you the most? The lost in hell or a scratch on your new car? Missing the worship service? are missing work. A sermon, sermon 10 minutes too long or a lunch a half hour late? The church not growing or your garden not growing? The church work being neglected or housework being neglected? Which things are disturbing you the most? Missing a good Bible study or your favorite TV, TV show? The millions who not, do not know Christ or your inability to keep up with your neighbors? The cry of the multitude for bread or your desire for another piece of chocolate cake? When it gets right down to it, what kind of things really disturb you? You know, your actions are determined by what you think. What's really important? You see, the word I received while I was praying in my office, while I was preparing for this sermon, was the word loyalty. And I guess when it boils right down to it, am I loyal to God in my words 
Am I loyal to God or am I denying God by my words and my silence and my actions? It's so clear. If you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father who is in heaven. But if you'll confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father who is in heaven. You be loyal to me and I'll be loyal to you. And Jesus is looking for loyal followers. I don't know what all was tied up in why God said loyalty to me. But I was asking him, what shall I preach to this congregation? Because they are your people. You know, you're not supposed to just select a subject at random. I was praying about it, and God said, loyalty. I believe we need to be loyal to the Lord Jesus Christ and to his work. Amen? This work is too important. The work that is being done in a church is too important for self to get in the way. Let's dedicate ourselves anew. Let's be loyal to the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you bow your heads with me? And I'm going to ask Lee to close in a word of prayer.